Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed Podcast. Our guest is Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, no stranger to the World Prayer Network. She's been with us so many times, so many issues. And then Jody Wood is going to be giving color commentary. Uh, she's an intercessor from uh, New York City uh, at the United Nations. And uh, then in addition, uh, Pam Pryor, formerly with the U.S. State Department, will also be asking, helping me ask questions of Michelle Bachman and of Jody, what we're talking about. And then some others who are strong in government will be talking and leading in prayer and such. Uh, Congresswoman Bachman has just gotten back from an extended period in uh, Geneva, Switzerland, and then in Jordan, then in Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to say a word just about those three countries, why you were there first? Then we're going to jump into the boiling question. I think think it's one of the most critical issues facing America right now. And it's the one that I would contend that the 330 million Americans, almost none of them grasp the issue. So first of all, do you want to say a word about those three countries? Why you were in them, then we're going to jump right into why you specifically you were in Geneva, Switzerland. Well, hi, Jim. Hi, Rosemary. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here tonight. It really is a pleasure and an honor to be on the World Prayer Network. And one thing that was interesting is being in Geneva, being in Jordan, being in Israel, it was all led by the Holy Spirit. I knew I was going to Israel because of the uh, annual Jerusalem prayer breakfast, and I knew that I had a desire and I was led to go to Geneva, Switzerland because of the nature of the meetings that were there. Jordan was a meeting that was added at the last minute when we were in Geneva. Uh, It was just part of the leading and direction of the Lord. And it really every day was, I would say. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely grateful, but they all three strung together like three beautiful pearls in a theme and that theme was following the Lord for the, the challenges that are facing the world right now. And so we were on a prayer journey more than anything. Uh, we were just led of the Lord to go and be intercessors and to intercede on behalf of various issues. So I'm so grateful for the background of the World Prayer Network and what we have learned here. Uh, this isn't this isn't just a moment to come together to be prompted by the latest news that's happening in our world. It is about prayer and it's about intercession. And we were on site doing the prayer and the intercession and uh, intercession is real. It's as real as anything as could be and as powerful as anything that a believer could do. And that's what we sense was the nearness of the Lord, our God in how he led us every step of the way. And I'm so glad that Jody Wood is on. She's a just a wonderful intercessor. And uh, we were among many who were over there in these cities. And we were privileged and honored to be able to do the intercessory work. Well, thank you so much for giving that little background. I just want to say, uh, folks, I follow politics for a lot of years. I've seen a lot of members of Congress who stepped out of members of Congress. Most of them pass into private life quietly. And that's kind of all you hear of them. Uh, Michelle is an exception to that. Uh, she stepped out of, of Congress. She went into other ministries. She went into a number of different, uh, a, a tremendous amount of speaking engagements. I, I would contend she's as recognizable, more recognizable now around the world than she has ever been. 
Uh, I'm not saying this because she's online, but she's a rock star. And we, Rosemary and I have traveled with her in many countries. There's countries where she stopped, other countries where she stopped on the street because they know who she is. Her influence is continuing to expand. And you'll see why, I, I gotta tell you, Congresswoman, having you there in Geneva for the reason why you were there, I think is one of the most important assignments you have ever had. And, and God is raising you for something extremely important in what you're about to report tonight that's critical to the future of this nation. Oh, I don't know, uh, Congresswoman, if you're able to stabilize your camera. Your camera is uh, <laughs> moving and bouncing quite a bit. Okay. Uh, we're going to have a lot of people needing, needing Dramamine by the time this is over. So, uh, I'll do my best. I'm sorry. I'm ill-equipped out here. I'm holding it and I will do my best to try and not move it. I don't know. We can stabilize it on something if you're, you're able to. So sorry. So but uh, uh, Congresswoman, tell us what you attended in uh, Geneva, Switzerland. The, the report, folks, faxing your seatbelts is not the first time we've talked about this about third or fourth or fifth time we've talked about it on the World Prayer Network, to fasten your seatbelts and we're going to be called to pray and to act. Pray and act. We're going to pray and act if we can stop this move of the evil one of what he's planned for our world and for the Republic. Congresswoman, tell us about it. Well, I, I was there for the purpose together with other intercessory prayer warriors. We were called to be there because this was the 76th World Health Assembly of the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization has a governing body called the World Health Assembly. This was the 76th time that they had met. And uh, we were called there because a year ago, President Joe Biden led an effort at the World Health Assembly to introduce 29 different amendments that would effectively change the World Health Organization from an advisory only body into a regulatory and an enforcement body. Okay, what does all that gobbledygook mean? Mean, let me give you this example. We all lived through three years of the directives of the World Health Organization. Even though they were an advisory only body, the United States of America looked at the World Health Organization as did almost nearly every country on earth as an organization that they followed the advice of whatever the World Health Organization said, various countries treated as law and put into effect. Certainly that was true here in the United States. Not only the United States through our Centers for Disease Control, through Dr. Fauci, we did whatever the World Health, Organi Health Organization said. The problem is the WHO was wrong nearly all the time. Because of the recommendations of the WHO, we were all wearing masks or two masks or three masks. If we got on a plane or if we had to go into a public place, we were wearing uh, masks. We were being locked down at the recommendation of the WHO. Uh, we, uh, we, were, we had mandatory vaccines because of the recommendations of the WHO and on and on and on. Whatever they recommended, that's what the American government did. But not only our government, at the state, local, federal, international level, it was also corporations, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, cable network news, different corporations. They all followed whatever the World Health Organization said. So the extraordinary nature of the unconstitutional directives 
that were made at least for Americans were based upon the recommendations of WHO. So we all know what this means. Those recommendations ended up in people losing their life savings, people losing their businesses. We were not allowed to frequent certain stores because they had to stay closed. Churches had to stay closed. While it, we all know this, while abortion clinics were open, while casinos were open, strip clubs could be open, but not a gym, not a small mom, mom and pop business. So these were all the directives of the WHO. So that's why this is extremely important because all of our lives were at the mercy of the World Health Organization. It effectively was like a regulatory mandatory enforcement agency during the three years of COVID, but it's actually only an, an advisory only body. And it has felt the last three years like we've been living through a beta test of uh, what could be yet to come. So we were very concerned because as I had mentioned, the Biden administration last year had introduced 29 different amendments and uh, we've talked about this before on World uh, Prayer Network, that uh, last year at the World Health Assembly, a few small African nations, including Botswana, actually stopped and disrupted the process. They, they didn't wanna give their assent to passing the Biden administration amendments. And so we were under a reprieve. A few amendments passed, one of which uh, shortened the timeline of the protocol for adopting amendments. So that went through, that could still be stopped, uh, I think by November of this year, although no country has, has stopped it. So we were very curious when we went this year. And we went because there are 307 proposed amendments to the World Health Amendments. All of them would completely change the nature of the World Health Organization away from an advisory only body to an enforcement and a regulatory body. So everything that your list, your viewers may have heard about the World Health Organization was true. Of all of the amendments that, that people had heard about were there and they weren't objected to. There was also a global pandemic treaty or what they call a global pandemic accord that was also introduced. We thought they were two completely different separate tracks when we first heard about them and they were. But what we heard from the people who were speaking on the panels that Jody Wood was referring to, they were talking about how these 307 amendments and the global pandemic treaty or accord, it's effectively a treaty, will be synchronized and synthesized and merged together. And in one particular meeting, and let me give a website, I wanna encourage everyone to go to this website. You can read and see everything that Jody and I and others saw that week. You can go to who.int, that's the website. Then click on the word 76 World Health Assembly, click on that, and that'll take you to a page where you can read for yourself all 307 amendments, and you can receive read the Global Pandemic Accord. And you can watch all the sessions, they're all archived. Most interesting, I would refer people to the strategic roundtable sessions from Monday and Tuesday that week. On Monday, the various participants, it's 194 delegates from each of the 194 member nations. That's effectively every person representing every person on earth. In the first session, 
on Monday, uh, the, the, it was very clear they were giving the content of what they're doing to change the World Health Assembly over this next year. They're giving the str strategy of how they're going to do it, and they gave their timeline. So uh, they presented the amendments and the treaty, and they said that this September at the General Assembly that meets annually in New York City, they'll be talking about this subject again. You may have heard over this last weekend that Iran was given the distinct, distinct title of being the upcoming vice president of the General Assembly in September. This is Iran we're talking about. And you may have also heard that North Korea was just appointed to the executive committee of the World Health Organization. Now, this is shocking. According to the US State Department, Iran has been the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world, the number one state sponsor of terrorism in the world since 1979. Iran has held that distinction. And they were just made the vice president of the UN for this upcoming General Assembly. It's, it's, it's absolutely despicable. This is Israel's number one stated enemy, Iran. And again, as I said, North Korea, or after the, the, the probably the most um, uh, private security driven regime that people can't get in, people can't get out of North Korea, one of the most cruelest nations regarding human rights abuses of its own people. They've just been made the uh, uh, appointed to the executive board, as I said, of the World Health Organization. It, you couldn't make this up. It's, it's a joke. It, it would be a joke if it wasn't so tragic to human rights. It's important that I also tell you one more thing, that the fellow who was in charge of passing, successfully passing the 307 amendments, gave about a three-minute speech. His name is Dr. Abdullah Asiri. You can find his three-minute speech on the strategic roundtable for the Monday session in the afternoon. And Dr. Siri said, I'm paraphrasing, something to the effect of, we have to pass these amendments. When we have the next pandemic, and there was an assumption that there's another pandemic coming, that it's right around the corner. And they said, when the next pandemic comes, we can't be operating under the old pandemic rules. We have to have new rules. And the reason why we have to have new rules is because we have to limit and reduce civil liberties among people. Well, as Americans, that put our antenna up. That's what our whole Bill of Rights is to the Constitution. Individuals have sacred liberties that our government is not supposed to trample on because they're so, these civil liberties are so dear and so important, the right to freedom of speech, speech and expression, the right of uh, religious liberty, et cetera, the Second Amendment. Um, the right to be free in your own home and free against unreasonable search and seizure, et cetera, those, those basic rights. And just cavalierly, the head of passing these amendments was saying, well, we got to get this done. And he was saying, these are good amendments, they're strong amendments, bold amendments. We have to keep these amendments. There wasn't one uh, even hint of any dissent or anyone questioning of all 194 nations not one nation had one objection to any of the 307 amendments or any part of the 307 amendments. So the only thing that we heard was a cast of characters of 194 nation all acting like bobblehead dolls, 
all in one accord saying, yes, we all agree. We all agree. Nobody dissented. It was almost as though there was one communications director who had written the script, the variations on the same script, and it handed it out to all 194 nations. Then with the pandemic accord, there's another individual who's assigned to getting through the pandemic accord. It's a, a group that they put together. And that was the same thing. They all were completely united on this pandemic accord and how this is going to pass. Well, the thing that is very interesting as you read through the document, and again, I encourage people to take a look through it. It's written in very vague language like a lot of these documents are, but here's the crux of it. The epicenter of the pandemic accord is that the creation of a new group will be established, a creation of a new, uh, new group of elites called the, I think it's like the Council of the Parties, COP is what it's called for short. I think it's Council, Congress of the Parties, Council of the Parties. And this is made up of a, a group of appointees. It's panels of experts. And we all see what experts, uh, what terrible decisions experts made in the last three years. Be a panel of experts on uh, vaccines, a panel of experts on uh, like PPP, the materials used, another bureau of exper experts, but all under the umbrella of this COP board who are appointed. Basically, this board becomes a living constitution. They become the World Health Assembly because they're given perpetual power to continually rewrite the rules however they want to rewrite the rules. So from the passage of this accord, they never have to come back to the 194 delegates again. They just continually pass whatever rules they can give to themselves, arrogate to themselves, if you will, whatever level of power they want to have. So once this passes, there's no longer a need for a World Health Assembly. There's no longer a need for the 194 nations. The, the, the group, the panel of experts takes it from here. And so the WHO director general is a man named Dr. Tedros Gebracious, very controversial figure, a communist from Ethiopia. He's really the, at the direction, he serves at the direction of the Chinese Communist Party. So he's the director general. He's the one who has the power. He's empowered to make all of the decisions of the WHO, of the World Health Organization. But the rules that they go by are rules of themselves. So it's, 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 it's not laws they live under. They live under their own dictatorship. And what is so crucial about these changes to the WHO is that led by the United States, all nations will give up their sovereignty, their decision-making authority to the World Health Organization. So not just America, but all 194 nations voluntarily are giving up their decision-making authority. And it's so broad and widespread, it is jaw-dropping. And that's what's captured us because the level of power isn't just over healthcare or just over healthcare decisions. It also includes the World Trade Organization. It also includes areas like uh, racism or poverty or education. And on Tuesday, of all people to, to speak at the World Health Organization, the, the climate czar, John Kerry, came in 
uh, and, gave, and gave a talk introduced by his 46-year-old daughter, Dr. Vanessa Carey, who is the recipient, by the way, of massive amounts of grant money from the Clinton Global Health Initiative. And she was practically crying in her introductory remarks of her father, uh, talking about how climate change is hurting the world and we've got to hurry, hurry, hurry. This is all um, urgent. We've got to get all of these health rules passed because of climate change. John Kerry comes on. John Kerry says, I didn't realize, I didn't understand until my daughter, Dr. Vanessa Kerry, told me that actually all of the problems in the world for healthcare is based on climate change. So I didn't know that until she told me. And so now the World Health Organization is going to pivot. And so Dr. Tedros Gebreshis stood up and said, well, we've, and also the woman who was the head of the environment and climate at the World Health Organization stood up and said, up until this point, we have focused on infectious diseases. Well, I guess that's what the last three years of our life was about, an infectious disease called COVID-19. But they said, we're not going to focus on infectious disease now. Now we are going to prioritize. We're going to move to number one. We're going to change everything we do at the WHO. And we're going to focus on climate change because climate change is the biggest driver of health care. So Jody can attest to this. We never heard anything about science the whole time we were, we were there. There was no science. There was no um, uh, statistics or math. We didn't hear anything about cures. We didn't hear one thing about what they learned during three years of COVID. What we heard was propaganda, absolute, complete propaganda. And so really, this is what the situation is. Bottom line is that for the last 60 or 70 years, the whole climate change crowd has used climate as a pretext for creating global government. That's what their end goal was. Their, end, their ultimate goal was to use the pretext of climate change to get the authority and power to have one world government. Well, the World Health Organization after COVID saw really how easily they could get all the nations on the earth to bend according to the World Health Organization's will. And so they wanted to establish a platform for global government. They hoped to get it through last year. They wanted to get it through this year. They didn't have all of their ducks in a row yet this year in order to get everything done and everything through. But when they gathered this year, we saw 194 nations walking together in lockstep. At least no one who disagreed was given a microphone or able to speak. No one registered any opposition to either the Global Pandemic Treaty or to the 307 amendments that will be merged. And the timeline again, it will be, they will meet at the General Assembly in New York in September. Then the final package of amendments and uh, Global Pandemic Treaty will be given to the World Health Organization next January of 2024. Then the member nations will go back to Geneva, Switzerland. They'll meet there again for conversation. And then next May, I don't even know if they'll take a vote, but these, they intend that, that all of this will just slide through without objection. There was no objection registered this year. They don't anticipate any objection next year, but they want to have their system set up. Uh, because before, one of some of the amendments had dealt with all people on earth having a digital ID. 
and their medical records would be enfolded into this digital ID. The ability to travel, travel locator numbers would be included on that. So this is, this is intended to be an all-inclusive way of controlling every person on earth. The way that communist China controls her own people, that's how they anticipate controlling through uh, the World Health Organization amendments and through the global hmm. pandemic treaty. So th that's what the intent is and that this will all be done next May and they intend no objections. One very interesting thing, a uh, lady from Africa, while everybody was nodding their head in agreement, she said, and another thing we have to do and we have to add, this fall, we have to do a simulation. We have to have another simulation based upon the proposed amendments and the treaty. So we wanna make sure we can do a dry run this fall. If assuming there's another pandemic, how will we handle it? But it's all based upon taking away from every individual the right to object and the right to have civil liberties. Uh, this is a pretty astounding. I'm gonna start with a few questions and I have uh, Pam Pryor to help me and I want Jody Wood to chip in as well. No other opposition. What about Hungary? What about the nation of Hungary? Uh, what about Guatemala? Uh, what about some of the African nations who historically we've looked to to stand against this one world government kind of emphasis? We did no objection from any of them. Nobody took a microphone. Nobody objected. Israel didn't object. In fact, when Israel got the microphone, the delegate actually started out by apologizing. They said, we failed. We were wrong because we had millions of vials of doses of vaccine, much more than we could use ourselves. And we failed because we couldn't get it out to other countries or we didn't get it out to other countries and we had to destroy them. When we have millions of more doses and we'll have to destroy them because they're expiring. So that's how they began. But then the delegate next said, uh, I didn't get a current copy of the proposed amendments. I'd like to get a current copy. I don't know if there is a current copy that they're working off of. The last copy of amendments was posted in February of 2023. So all we have is what's posted. We don't know if they posted anything else, but no, th there was no objections from any country whatsoever. And when we were there walking in the hall, rubbing shoulders with anyone, you could tell this was not a debate. This was a consensus. And there was a consensus that had been achieved before they ever got to this meeting. There was no sense in any way of disagreement or divergence on anything. This is pure speculation on my part. I have no proof of any of this, but it appears to me what happened after the prior year that when there was disagreement that all these countries were gotten probably in a private little room and found out, you know, what do you need? What do you need? What do you want to get on board and to get your assent? And there, there was absolutely no indication anywhere from any country that there's any assent. So at this point now, Jim, it is T minus what, 350 days until this goes through. So this will happen. This is what people on this call need to know um, that absent a miracle, absent an intervening hand of the sovereign work of God, this is going to go through. And for the first time in 5,000 years of recorded human history, we will see a platform created for global government. This will happen. And that's what we want people to know. We kept hearing the word, 
urgent, urgent, urgent. It's got to go through. The second word we heard was equity, equity, equity. In other words, outcome-based um, um, outcome based, um, achievement so that everybody gets the same level of healthcare in the world. And it won't be American-style healthcare. It'll be coming down to a poverty-based type healthcare. And then the other thing was uh, uh, inclusion. We heard that word a million times, which means nobody escapes the net. Everybody gets this. Here's two other things we learned. One was universal health. In other words, socialized medicine. That is the intention of the World Health Organization is that there will be global socialized medicine, that the only healthcare that people will get will be that which comes through the World Health Organization and it'll be the same healthcare for everyone. In other words, American style healthcare will only be most likely for the elites. Then the other one was universal health and they had diagrams for use universal health and universal health is, um, um, it, it is the decision-making criterion for healthcare decisions. And it's this mankind or humankind, um, animals and the earth, the environment. So the, the bottom line is that humans are not equaled any different, are not treated any differently in the decision-making criteria than animals. And animals aren't to be treated any different than the earth. So the shorthand equation would be um, man equals cockroach equals lump of dirt. And that's how decisions are made. And I will guarantee that um, lump of dirt will win out every time because the criterion will be, what's the temperature of earth that we want to achieve? Okay, I guess we've got to make our decision so that the lump of dirt has the best possible outcome. Not man, not even cockroach. So this is the kind of thinking that is going on. There was no mention of, of God or no mention of no prayer, obviously, but this was very much a, a humanistic driven thought process. And again, you, we heard nothing about health. We heard nothing about cures. There was no rejoicing over new things that they discovered, or we're gonna be able to distribute more of this or that, or come up with new inventions. Nothing of this. Everything was about control, global control of the human population. The, uh, I, I don't want to belabor this one, but it's hard for me to fathom that Victor Orban or Alejandro Jean Mate or a number of the African leaders uh, are going along some, somehow the co-opting. Co I'm very curious how this is possible because the, there's some well, very- I think a lot, Jim, Jim, I think a lot of these nations honestly don't understand it. I, I think there's kind of a mesmerizing spirit. I don't think they understand what this is. I don't know how long these amendments have been out. I don't know how long the, um, the global pandemic treaty has been out. I think the one that we got was just released when we were there. And you have to kind of have some background in this and know, be able to decode this language in the documents to know what they're saying. And uh, I just, I had the sense that a lot of nations just, you know, you gotta remember, this, this organization has been around for a long time. Basically, a year after the UN was started, the World Health Organization was started. So bureaucracies go on and on and on. And a lot of times they just figure we're, we're just going to keep doing the same thing that we're doing. I don't even know if they fully, the, these nations fully understand. This is a completely existential 
meaning down to the very essence of the organization. It's a completely new change for the World Health Organization. So whereas the, United, the World Health Organization was a small subset of the United Nations, now it will be essentially world government. That's what it's elevated to, to have a platform where it will be the dominant party and it will tell nations what to do. I, I honestly don't think that a lot of these delegates from these different countries have figured that out yet. I also think the other thing is that they've been deluded into thinking that the United States, we're seen as the big dog, the rich uncle, uh, we have more money, we can pay for every problem there is in the earth. And I think they honestly think that their country will get American style healthcare. If they move into this, they're going to get something out of this and they'll get American style healthcare, sort of reparations via healthcare, and we're gonna pay for all this. So that's what they see in the bottom line is that America will have to have a redistribution of wealth through healthcare. That's really what Obamacare was. It wasn't about increased healthcare, it was redistribution of wealth through healthcare. Now the world sees that, hey, we're gonna get something out of you, America, if we go along with this. Not realizing in the end, this is, this is a, a big spider with a big sting. I'm going to go to Jody Wood in just a moment, but uh, it, before I do, it's really interesting to me. Uh, for years, I couldn't figure out a couple things in prophecy. I couldn't figure out how come America is not in prophecy? How is it possible we just disappear? The last three years, I have no question about how that could happen. It's just so obvious to me. Yeah. The other thing is, how would one world government actually take place? We have armies. Other countries have armies. They would defeat this. They would be against this. Um, I have no doubt in my mind now how one world government arises without a single war without a single gunshot not at all now so well, there it's mystery well, it's the and the resurrection of the tower of babel and it's called mystery babylon because it's a mystery it yeah. is a mystery and people cannot conceive that this would be possible that their nation would relinquish its sovereignty to a one world system it's not even in our comprehension because it's a mystery and we're well and time and you and you can tell that they are planning that geneva switzerland will be the headquarters for this one world government man's one world government it and it it was it's you know it's interesting it's a beautiful city uh, located right uh north of the swiss alps mont blanc you can see from Geneva, it's located on beautiful Lake Geneva, an ancient city, but there, it's made up of about 200,000 people, primarily bureaucrats that work in these global organizations. I was shocked to see how concentrated global power is, how close together it is. The UN is right next to the World Trade Organization, right next to the World Health Organization, right next to the uh, International World, uh, Red Cross. I think Jody probably remembers there, there may be like 1,400, the, 1400 headquarters of international organizations, NGOs and government organizations, also directly across the lake on the south side of Lake Geneva from the World Health Organization and the UN lies the headquarters for the World Economic Forum run by Klaus Schwab. I mistakenly thought they were run out of Davos, Switzerland, which is on the east side of Switzerland. Geneva is on the west side. That is not true. Um, they're right there directly across. So you've got all of this global power 
that's had so much influence, Jim and Rosemary, these last three years, it's all located there. And there was even a delegate that came from a South American country that said, we've got to do this because we have to have global governance. That's what one of them said. And another one of the delegates said that we've got to empower this organization so they can have more government or global influence. And so people are wanting this, delegates are wanting this. Another thing that happened while we were walking through the streets of Geneva, three days before the conference began praying, seeking the Lord on this, um, we saw mosaic in Geneva and it had a man, a, a horse and a rider. And we were wondering what this mosaic was in the city. And we had done some research uh, during uh, Julius Caesar went into Geneva, Switzerland. So the Roman Empire went as far as the Swiss Alps about Mont Blanc, and then it ended. That was it. That was the extent of the Roman Empire going north. Well, Julius Caesar was a young man. He wanted to make a name for himself. He took his army. He went over the Swiss Alps into Geneva, Switzerland. He had a skirmish with the Swiss citizens, about 200,000 or so went east after that, and another 110,000 Swiss went down to Toulouse, France. So he conquered, he conquered that region and he conquered all the way to the North Sea. So essentially all of Europe, Julius Caesar added to the Roman empire. And in an instant, it occurred to me what these global entities are trying to do. They are trying to recreate the revived Roman empire so that they're trying to recreate global dominion and authority the way that Julius Caesar did to, to expand the Roman Empire and the, the global influence of the Roman Empire at that ancient time in history, these individuals are trying to do the same. We, I didn't realize that this uh, Geneva, Switzerland is the second number of global, of, uh, global oil deals are conducted in Geneva. Finance is conducted in Geneva. So it's a financial center. It's an oil center for deal making, but also global banking deals are made out of Geneva. You have a lot of the pharmaceutical companies, global pharmaceutical companies are headquartered in Geneva. We saw this concentration of global power that I had no idea that it existed there. So it was clear to see this was the intention that this is Geneva is intended to be the headquarters for one world government. And they're very serious about this. They think they've got their whole act together. And, um, and as they see it, global government will be finished and established and done by next May, about May 21st of 2024. And uh, they see it's going to happen. Before I go to Jody, one question in terms of we're going to be praying in a moment, we obviously pray, but also we, we need to act. What are our options and action we can take? Is, is this, well, is not, this is not a, a treaty per se, so it doesn't go through the Senate. Uh, Biden is just doing this without the Senate. Uh, it is a, listed as an accord, but do we activate and make sure our members of Congress are aware of this and can they make a difference or what are our options on activation? Well, from the United States of America, yes. I mean, we, we do have an option. We can contact our members of the Senate and we can contact our members of the House. You need to know that there wasn't one senator present for this World Health Organization meeting. There wasn't one member of the House. We did not see the United States press corps. It was an absolute vacuum um, of people that were there. Now, I, look, 
members of Congress managed to get on a plane and go visit the World Economic Forum meetings. They managed to get on planes and visit the Munich conference and conferences all over the world. This has been talked about enough, this World Health Organization. I would have thought somebody would have been there. Nobody was there. Now, yes, the US government can do something because of our form of government. Now, Joe Biden wants this. The US is the aggressor here. The US is driving this agenda. But our, our Senate is made up so that any treaty is supposed to go into the US Senate for approval. Well, Joe Biden doesn't see this as a treaty, but our, especially the Republican members of the Senate, they've, they better wake up and wake up fast. They can't wake up after this passes and think, oh, we'll pull it in once it passes. And then we'll take a look at this. Too late, because the global system will already be in place. We won't be able to buy a plane ticket and go anywhere a year from now, because we'll have to have a digital ID to do that. We'll have uh, travel locator forms that we have to fill out. So uh, we may even have to, a year from now, be buying and selling. We may, we may have digital cash by a year from now. We may not be able to buy and sell without this digital ID. So I don't think the Senate understands or appreciates how far down the road this is or that they have power to pull this in. So if you have a, a written document already there, there's no reason to wait. They need to pull this document in and hold hearings morning till night until they get answers on this and weigh in. Um, the second thing is enforcement. People, that's the number one question people ask me. Michelle, how is this going to be enforced? The World Health Organization can enforce this. Oh, yes, they can. They will enforce it because there's already this network put together of corporations, social media, mainstream media, governments. They've already come in league together, together with financial and insurance companies that are on board through ESGs. It's one synthesized organization. So we have like this short window where I think it could be stopped, at least from the U.S. perspective, where we could pull out. If the U.S. Senate would wake up and take this seriously, I've spoken to several of the best senators in the United States Senate. And they have told me that this is way down on their list of priorities. They don't think this is that important because they said this will never go through. Democrat senators will never vote on this because they're under the illusion they're going to get to vote on this thing. They will not. This is not automatically going to kick to them. But they also say, well, gee, you know, even if somehow it gets through the U.S. Senate, which it's never going to get there, um, it'll never make it through the courts. The courts will strike this down. I am telling you. That is not going to happen. The system is going to be in place before it ever makes the courts. The same thing with the House of Representatives. They should hold hearings on this. this the House of Representatives is run by Republicans. They should have all 100, 307 amendments in there. They should have the global pandemic treaty in there, looking at it, holding hearings morning till night. Nothing is going to change our world more 12 months from now than this global pandemic treaty and the 307 amendments, because we won't be living under the current United States of America with our constitution and our bill of rights, because our bill of rights have been run roughshod over with these unconstitutional actions taken under the use of emergency powers. A lot of Americans, Jim, don't even understand. It was, it was just May 11th 
when Joe Biden gave up his emergency powers. For over three years, these unconstitutional actions that were taken by our government were allowed to be taken because the government operated under emergency powers. And Joe Biden just gave them up. I thought it was highly coincidental that he was willing to relinquish his emergency powers May 11th. And May 21st, we were in Geneva, Switzerland, looking at this massive takeover of all of our liberties, all of our rights, with coming from the guy in charge of the amendments, Dr. Abdullah Asiri, saying, we've got it, we've got to get rid of uh, civil liberties. We have too many civil liberties. We can't have that and have these new amendments. So we know the direction where this is going to go, where we will lose power, where we will lose rights, because one of the amendments literally crosses out the words human dignity, human rights, human freedoms, because they're not going to be bothered with that in global government. That's how serious this is. So, Jim, uh, everybody has to contact their member of Senate and their member of the House and demand town hall meetings. Summer is coming demand that they show up. In fact, take a delegation, make an appointment, go to DC, get an, an emergency meeting with your senator, with your house member. If you have any relationship of any kind, I can tell you from firsthand experience, these senators don't know what this is. These house members don't know and appreciate what this is. Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona has a bill, HR 79, that pulls the U.S. out of the World Health Organization. And I, I should have mentioned that at the top of, the, of my remarks. The way to stop this is for the U.S. to get out of the World Health Organization. When Donald Trump was president, he gave notice to the WHO and he pulled the United States out of the World Health Organization. The protocol takes 12 months to complete to get a country out, but he stopped U.S. funding to the WHO and he pulled us out. But Donald Trump didn't turn, return to office in 2020. Joe Biden did. So the day Joe Biden became president, the day he was inaugurated, he put the United States back into the WHO and he restored funding to the WHO. So you see how cataclysmically our lives changed when Joe Biden became president. I'm not saying this Republican Democrat. I'm just saying objectively what happened under Donald Trump, objectively, what happened under Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is all in on this. At least whoever is calling the shots behind Joe Biden, they're all in on getting this passed. But our U.S. Senate has a chance to make noise and stop this. Now, they're run by Democrats, so presumably they're going to want to do whatever Joe Biden wants. But still, every Republican senator has an option to shout from the House tops what a horrible thing this is, and they need to do it now. But also in the House, they need to hold hearings morning till night, and they need to demand of Joe Biden that he get the United States out of the WHO. I was shouting, shouting, shouting for Kevin McCarthy to make it a precondition to even speak to Joe Biden about raising the debt ceiling before a precondition needed to be that Biden would pull us out of the WHO. I can tell you that message went to the absolute highest source and um, they decided not to go down that road. I think it's one of the biggest, tr most tragic mistakes made uh, by the House of Representatives that they did not make that a precondition. So at this point, uh, we this is going to happen. At, right now, these amendments are all gonna fly through the pandemic treaty is all going to fly through. 
but for the intervening hand of a holy God. And that was the whole purpose of our being there, to intercede to the Lord on behalf of not only people in the United States, but the people of the earth, so that we don't come under this beast system. Okay, folks, just let me give a summary here. Just remind you what she said these last few moments. Number one, contact uh, your two senators and your House of Representative member. Say, get us out of the World Health Organization, number one. Number two, support Andy Big, Congressman Andy Biggs, HR, that's House Resolution, HR 79. Uh, number three, articulate this somewhere in your one sentence or two sentence to him. The Global Pandemic Accord, we want out of that. It should be called a treaty, should only be approved by House or by, by the Senate at least. And then the last thing is get a copy of the 307 amendments. What's in there? What does that mean for America? Uh, how's that impact our sovereignty? So those are the, that's the core of what she said. Did I get it right, Congresswoman? You did, and you can put it up on your chat or for the people who are following. The site they go to is who.int, then click on 76 World Health Assembly. You'll go to a page where you can then look for the Global Pandemic Accord, and you can download that and read it. And you can also then download and click on the 307 proposed amendments to the international health rules. So those are the two documents. Then you could watch for yourself. It'd be very enlightening. The strategic roundtable from the Monday afternoon session and the strategic roundtable from the Tuesday session where John Kerry spoke because they really spill out the contents and the strategy and the timeline of what they're going to do. And you can watch for yourself where the direction this is going. I'm wondering if, uh, if uh, Holly or someone is tuning in, if you can look up and see uh, the website for me. I can't remember what it is. I should know. We've interviewed people on the World Health Organization before. The website we can go to as a, as a protest movement against it. Uh, it's Stop Something. And so- oh, it's called StopTheWho.com. Stop and ExitTheWho.com. Those are the two sites that have everything. That's run by a man named James Rogalski. So ExitTheWho, the WHO, ExitTheWho.com, StopTheWho.com. And he should Perfect. have everything there and you can click on it. That's fabulous. I'm going to go to uh, Jody Wood for some uh, extra commentary on some responses while being there. You should have just gone to Jody in the first place. <laughs> She's got it all. No, I thought your your reports from Geneva, Congresswoman, were just stellar. I mean, I sent them out to our entire mailing list. I thought you were exceptional in how you summarized right while you were there in the vigor of that moment. So uh, thank you so much. And I, you have to be suffering from jet lag. You just got in from <laughs> around the world, and here you are on this call with us. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. I just I just opened my eyes one second before I went on the air. So that's why I'm basically incoherent tonight. You, oh, ah, you're, well you're exceptional. Um, and then, uh, Pam Pryor, you'll have some questions you want to ask. Jody, give us a little bit more insights. You were there. Yeah. Um, Michelle did a wonderful job uh, really laying out what took place. And again, I cannot emphasize enough. When the Lord sends you, sends you to these places, it's important to go because she literally gave these reports. We had intercessors praying all around, so they wouldn't hear what she was saying. 
you know, filming live in the belly of the beast, telling them, telling the world exactly what they were doing. And they weren't even releasing these amendments to their own delegates. And she's broadcasting it to the world. So um, she's a courageous woman. And I so admire Michelle, how she uses the platform that God built under her to extend his kingdom. I do. I want to go back to a piece of hope because Michelle will know on the Thursday that we arrived, we immediately went to the Reformation Wall in Geneva. That's where we began this assignment, honoring the spirit of the reformer. That wall was inaugurated in 1909. John Calvin, William Farrell, John Knox. The history of, of the Reformation is on display. And what was even more amazing, it was Ascension Day. What better day? to stand there before the reformers of history, knowing what we were going into, knowing what the nations are facing right now. And Jim, I believe a call has to go forth and, and you're a great person to do it. Where are the reformers of our generation? Where are those that are the voices like a Michelle Bachman, a Jim Garlow, James Radowski that are willing to put it all out there, a Pam Pryor, that just did amazing things in the State Department to bring the kingdom into the midst of these structures of the Antichrist system. And God wants us all to know, as we stood there that day before we entered into that global arena, he says, I was there then, and I'm here still today. Yes. And I will raise up my voices across the earth that my kingdom will be the kingdom that will be established on earth as it is in heaven, as long as we are all here. Jim, that's the message we need to know. We must have the details to be activate people, but we must know the power of our God in the history of the reformers. And if I could just add to what Jody said, Jim, it was so powerful to, to start at that Reformation site. It's outdoors, it's free, anyone can see it. And it begins with Martin Luther. And like she said, it was going through John Calvin, Farrell, Knox. This was in Geneva, Switzerland. This power of elevating the word and the purity of the word. But then there was a relief chiseled in the stone next to it. And after John Knox, it was the, pilgr it was the pilgrims and the ship of the Mayflower, and the words of the Mayflower Compact. So here we are in Geneva, Switzerland, looking at the history, and based upon John Knox, had there not been a John Knox and his preaching, and then the technology of the printing press, and the printing of the Geneva Bible, there would have been no 104 believers uh, the pilgrims who got on the Mayflower, who came with that unction of the Holy Spirit to the United States, our faith was so encouraged and so lifted. So in this European city, they're showing the impact of the word of God and reform that a nation like the United States of America was literally birthed out of the beliefs of the reformers to bring the gospel forth to a new nation that the 104 uh, pilgrims didn't wanted to take that gospel there. 
we were so empowered and so encouraged through the Holy Spirit by what God had done in Geneva. And this happened the whole time we were there. Yes, we saw the sewer. We saw the belly of the beast. We saw how what these awful even intentions of mankind are. And we understand that God has his sovereign timing. But we stood by faith. We went by faith. We went into every room and prayed in every room ahead of time. And thank God we were there three days ahead of time so we could go in and pray and hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, and showing us how to pray. So that when the day began, Jody was the one who instructed me. She's a master intercessor. And that morning when, when the World Health Assembly has started, there's just chaos. You could, you could just feel it. You could sense it everywhere. It was a spirit of chaos. And I said to her, what's going on? The three days when we were bef there before, we knew exactly what to do all day. And then all of a sudden it was chaotic. And then Jody, tell everybody what you told me. It's when the representative from each nation of the 194 nations shows up in that global gate, they bring the strong men of their nation. And so they're all present and active in the, in the realm of the spirit. So it brings a sense of chaos. So that's where you have to be very grounded and centered. And we did every morning with prayer and worship before we went out because I, 20 years worked in this arena and Pam can attest to this being in the United Nations, New York and Michelle was there too. It is a very charged, uh, confusing atmosphere. and just distracting atmosphere if you get caught up in it. That's why you have to stay very focused and very in the spirit, pray in the spirit all the time. And then you hear God and you go where you need to go. Uh, like Michelle, tell them about what we saw happen with Brazil. And we were just in the right place at the right time. Oh, you mean the memorandum of understanding? Well, yeah. uh, Jair Bolsonaro was the president of Brazil before, and they were not interested in going into this global system. Um, so they were not on board with what was being proposed. But there was an intervening election in Brazil, as you all know, and the communist Lula came in as president. So we were standing there um, doing our own little uh, press thing, and uh, we watched Brazil sign away their freedom in a member memorandum of understanding. They had a signing ceremony. We were right there, and they joined up into this system with the WHO. And it was the saddest thing to see because they were out of it and then they went into it. And it was just like when uh, Donald Trump who made the most dramatic move by pulling the United States out of the WHO. I, that's one, one reason I think why these globalists couldn't stand to have Trump in for a second term. They couldn't have the United States not be a part of this. They had to have us go back in and um, the other thing, I, I can't remember if I said this or not, but these globalists uh, for 70 years have expected that they were going to have a one world government through climate change. That's what they thought. But when they saw that global that a global government was going to come through health care through the WHO, the climate change people represented by John Kerry had to land their plane in the middle of the WHO agenda. And that's when any talk of healthcare ended 
then it was all healthcare through the lens of climate change. So that's how this thing is gonna go forward. We're all going to be controlled through climate change. So these people who can't make a train run on time think that they're gonna be able to regulate the temperature of the earth and we're all gonna to have to spend trillions of dollars to do it to come under their control. So the same climate change agenda is going to go forward, only it's now it's gonna be called healthcare. Uh, be assured, be 100% assured of what uh, Congresswoman just said. The hatred of Trump is based upon him not being a globalist. I saw this way before he was elected uh, back in back in 2016. And uh, he, he, they, they claim he's hated for all these other things, whether it's mean tweets or whatever. That has nothing to do with it. It's one thing. He's messing up the strategy of the globalists, and they do not like it. Let me give you some positive news. Thanks to Anheuser-Busch and their Bud Light beer and Target stores, they have helped jolt the mushy middle in America. I was standing alongside a pastor in a church a week ago Sunday, a week ago today, and when a guy walked up and said to the pastor, and the pastor later told me, I don't even know who that guy was. The guy walked up and said, hey, you, you know I'm a, I'm a progressive, but don't, don't you think Target, they've gone a little bit too far? Uh, duh, yes, they have, but they, those have done more uh, for us. They have furthered the cause of righteousness because they played their hand. The devil is stupid. He's not smart. He may have a lot of power, but he simply is not always, always smart. Played their cards way, way too far. And the result is it's waking up a tremendous number of people. The backlash is phenomenal. Some other encouraging news, there are across Europe, some members of parliament that are trying to stand against this. There are some godly members of parliament uh, Congresswoman Michelle, Michelle has been with many of them. We've had the privilege. We're going to be there in a few days. We live in a few days. And in that same city is the Geneva Institute of Leadership and Public Policy, GILP. I had the privilege of speaking there in just a few days. There are going to be people, believers, standing there uh, proclaiming what is truth for, for government. And there is, without going into more detail right now, there is a, a response to the World Economic Forum. There is a response to that of a world organization that is powerful and wonderful and spiritual and based upon godly principles that is emerging. We'll have a lot more to cover about that. Uh, I need to go to Pam Pryor. Pam Pryor, what questions do you have or comments do you want to add? Well, Pam thank Pryor. you. Thank you all. Thanks, Jody. Thanks, Michelle. Um, I'm thrilled not to be in Geneva. I spent way too much time <laughs> there. Uh, and, and I think it's a charming city, but it is clearly so plagued by that bureaucracy. Uh, you know, when you go to Europe, how it's so fun to go to all these cities. Geneva, they, it's like they wrung out all the charm. And the John Calvin Church is actually closed on Sundays. I mean, I, I, I think that says it all. Um, just a couple of comments, Michelle, about what you were talking about, North Korea being admitted. They also censured Israel. Uh, they also, once more, disallowed Taiwan. So. This is all about China. It's all about fear of China. Um, I, I'm maybe not quite as pessimistic because I have yet to see the UN do anything well and actually come through with a plan that works. It scares me when there's not a Republican hedge. Um, and I'm gonna echo what Michelle said. That's not a, a partisan statement. It's just the same way that when Republicans come into office, we go with the Hyde Amendment and the uh, Mexico City language on life. When Democrats come in, they take it away. Without a Republican backstop, that does give me pause. 
But Jim, to your comment about Hungary and some of these countries not being a part, you have to understand there is a huge disconnect often between the UN apparatchiks and, and then the leaders of these countries. There is all this activity, sound and fury signifying nothing, that often is never relayed up the, up the chain. So Orban, Jim, probably doesn't even know about what's going on. And God bless Michelle, Frank Gaffney, um, uh, Joe Rogowski, these guys that are actually elevating this in our Congress, because I guarantee you that there are lots of conservatives around this world and other countries. And you're right, we have many African nations that side with us, especially on the life issue. They just don't know about this. It just doesn't rise to the occasion. So I think we're right to sound the alarm on that. But I will tell you, there is not one regard for sovereignty in Geneva, none. They don't care about anyone's sovereignty. And in addition to hating Trump because he was an anti-globalist, he was also pro-America. And they just don't like us. They don't like us. They love our money, but they don't like us. They don't like what we stand for. So um, I don't know. I, I think it's there's a lot to be worried about. Uh, by the way, there's 42 multilateral organizations headquartered in Geneva and about 700 NGOs there um, that live to, uh, quite frankly, there's a bunch of grifters there that live off of the UN and what they're doing. And Michelle, I guess my, my question to you is, what was the talk? Was there any talk about Taiwan while you were there? Because it is shocking to me that a nation that actually did a good job on COVID has never been allowed to share their results. No, there wasn't. There wasn't any, like, like just like after the Afghanistan debacle, the withdrawal, there was no review really of what happened. It was the same thing with three years of COVID, our world's being turned upside down. There was no review of what happened during the last three years. You know, Sweden is the one that never closed their schools. They kept their kids going. There was no review of that. The fact that their numbers were better than the rest of the world when it came to COVID, there was no review. And I think that was the thing. They had an agenda and they stuck with their agenda and they they weren't, there was no reality. I, I got no sense again of anything being actual debate or freedom of conversation, Pam. It was the same garbage talk where they, it's like they're given a script ahead of time and they use the code words over and over and over. I know you've been in those meetings and they, they use those same terms, you know, inclusion, equity, that over and over and over, we got to get this done. And everything was very pre-scripted. So I don't think they wanted anybody to get off the script, but I agree with you. I mean, faith really rose in our hearts it was so clear the way the Lord was leading us to pray where to go, things that we would find out that we'd have no no way to find out. God allowed us to find out things. And he is so much bigger than this. And I think, again, that's why we Jody brought up the Reformation wall where we began. Because you think of the power of elevating the word and the purity of the word and people wanted to get it right. Nobody ever gets it right because we're human beings, we're, we're fallible. But when you think of the power of elevating the word and what that did to inspire humble little pilgrims to start America, and that's venerated. 
not because they're venerating the U.S. They weren't venerating the U.S. They were venerating the impact of the Reformation. So why not have a Reformation now? Why not elevate the word now? Why not intercede and cry out to God now? Why not? And that's one thing that the Lord inspired us to do. I don't want to go too far afield, but when we were over there, the Lord inspired us to go to Jordan and do very specific prayer in Jordan because they found the ancient site of Sodom. And that's the big issue all across the world now in the last two years, this new thing about the, the transgender, how that has become the front burner pot boiling over issue. And we just, it, God miraculously opened up that opportunity. We went there, we prayed. We didn't go to condemn. God's business is about redeeming the world. And so we went there to pray redemptive prayers for the rest of the world. That was really our whole prayer process was redemption. Asking the Lord to redeem what it is they're trying to do with this WHO and crying out to God. When you think about it, Abraham interceding before the Lord and Derek Prince said that ancient Sodom had about 10,000 people in the city. And, and Abraham, remember, courageously said to God, what if there's 50 righteous, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10? God says, yes, I, I, I will not destroy that wicked city, probably the most wicked in the world at that time. I won't destroy it um, if there's 10 righteous. And of course, there weren't 10 righteous. But it it shows you the power of intercession. And if if Abraham was willing to intercede for the most wicked city on earth for the sake of his nephew, we can intercede. I, I think we need to understand how big God is, what God will do. And these, it's a David and Goliath fight, but that's perfect. That's exactly the kind of fights we want to be in. So we're very excited about this, about what the Lord can do and the practical path in the U.S., is to um, approach your senators, approach your congressmen. Uh, this thing can be undone, and we just need to not grow weary in well-doing and stick with it and cry out, but most of all, intercede before the Lord and just see what he does. Okay, you've really piqued our curiosity on one thing. we got to go to worship and prayer in just a second, but I've got to hear, you went to a recently found site where they believe was the ancient Sodom, say a word about you went there redemptively uh yeah. this is very important take 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 one more paragraph and talk about that then we're going to go right to worship sure for the last 100 years archaeologists have thought that the the site of ancient sodom was actually southeast of the dead sea they thought that's where the ancient city of zoar was but actually dr stephen collins from um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, was reading the book of Genesis and just thought he was he was leading his archaeology students to the ancient site. And he said, you know, this just does not match up with the book of Genesis. Genesis. After more reading and discovery and that sort of thing, he, he found a site that he really thought was it. He's worked with the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan uh, with the kingdom and he got permission. And so they have actually been excavating for 16 years. And it's not a marked spot. It's you, you wouldn't even know that it's there. But um, we we were able to miraculously. That's another story. We were able to get permission. We went on site, 
and we stayed there for two hours. It meets every bit of criteria. You stand there, you're looking directly at Jericho. You can see where Jerusalem would be. You can see um, Abraham was about 10 miles north of Jericho. You can see where he would have looked over. It's called the Kikar. It's in the shape of a football. In the book of Genesis, it says that the Jordan bank rose up like the Nile and it was a well-watered area. You can see the head of the Dead Sea. It's perp It's exactly where it should be. It was the most um, uh, uh, agriculturally productive area in the ancient world. It actually had on-site cold and hot running water. It had a cold spring, it had a hot spring in the city of Jordan. And plus it had the Jordan River there as well. It's, it's just the most amazing um, place. There's probably no other city that has more markers other than Jerusalem, maybe even more so than Jerusalem, than Sodom, of where its actual location is. So it, while the tragedy that occurred was evident, it's also, one uh, the, the astrophysicists who discovered this idea of the um, airburst, where a meteor comes and destroys things, um, there's complete agreement among scientists that that's exactly what happened. And it took a fraction of a second to destroy this ancient city. And there's so much more to talk about, but it, because of what is happening in the world in the last two years, the Lord led us to leave Geneva and go there next and pray into that next for God's redemptive purposes. And we read all of the scripture in the air-conditioned van before we got out there. And then we stood in this hot sun for two hours and then just prayed over that before we went up to Mount Nebo, which you've been to many times before, just to see that picture of the promised land that God showed Moses. So it was it was a redemptive time. I don't know what the total time was. It was maybe two and a half weeks total because then we went to Israel afterwards to pray there. And the last site that we went to, I'd never been there before. I'm sure you guys have been there a million times to Mount um, Kaber, the Oak of Mamre. And we stood up there where God said to Abram, um, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. And we looked over at Joshua's altar, which I know you take your two gr tour groups on. And it just was so profound because you're standing there at the gates of where the children of Israel came in. And this is where Israel is married to the land. Rosemary, you love that where half of the nation was on Ebal and half on Gerasim. And they had to make their decision. Are you going to follow God? Are you going to obey him? Or are you going to receive the curses? And Joshua builds his altar and famously says on the Mount of Cursing, Mount Ebal, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, and yeah, he builds yeah, that yeah. altar. Isn't that so cool? I mean, that's redemptive. Oh, you got me. You got me all fired We're up. We're going to all those Joshua, places. Joshua, next yeah, next I, I want to go altar. with you next yeah, time. I, I, I want to go, go with you. This ago. We, we, we got to see places this last time, two weeks ago that I've never been to. We've been there together 99 times and we got to see places <laughs> never have we got to see before. Just exhausted. Okay, folks, go to wellversedworld.org. How do they find? Um, Wellversed World events and then go down to Israel tours. And we have one in October okay. and one in May. And we go to Jordan both times. Wellversedworld.org and go to events and then Israel tour. And then you can click on October. Or May uh, next year. Yeah, October is the next one coming up. So in May of 2024. Uh, um, 
Congresswoman, I'm going to have you lead in prayer right now. And then uh, Alma Rivera is waiting in the wings, ready to lead us in worship. And uh, you've gotten us all fired up on the power of the Lord after all this, <laughs> these tough reports we bring. It's the days of Elijah. Amen. Altars. And, and, and it's so interesting that, that it happens right there, right there by the Reformation wall. Uh, I've been to that wall a number of times. And, and, and here, how dark it was across Europe. It was so dark. And then comes the, the Reformation. And, and, and here was Calvin. Calvin's trying to think through of the application of biblical truth to governmental life. He's some of the most advanced thinking. And how, how, do, we, how do we make this work anyway? And right there on the Reformation wall, here's where all this darkness has reemerged. And uh, we're getting ready for another explosion of light and truth and holiness and righteousness just to break forth again. So Congresswoman, lead us in prayer there. We're gonna let you go get some sleep after flying, I don't know, 24 hours or whatever. And and then Alma's gonna lead us in the prayer. Rosemary, you're gonna, uh, I mean, in worship, and you're gonna pray and we've got a bunch of people to pray right now into this. Don't go away, stay with us because now we're starting the activation stage, prayer and then contact your members of Congress. Pray and contact your members of Congress. This is not a little, little game we play when we go this next hour of prayer. This time of prayer, only a whole hour, but this time of prayer is a serious contending. This is where we make the breakthrough. So when you get, the, get on the phone and call your member of Congress, it makes a difference. So Congresswoman, after that incredible report, go ahead and lead us in prayer right there. And then Alma Rivera, take it away in New York City and lead us right into worship. Father, I thank you for the example of our beloved father, Abraham, who didn't think twice about his relationship with you. He trusted you so much. And father, he knew he could boldly come before you to intercede for his nephew, Lot. And he interceded for the most wicked place on earth, that you would stay your hand of judgment, that his nephew might live. Oh, father, we look at the wickedness unparalleled on this earth, particularly as we see, Father, with this um, radical sexualization of little children. Father, it's, it's so disgusting what we're seeing. And at the same time, Father, the peril of our liberties by the establishment of a platform of global government. Lord, this is a gross wickedness in our day. And we, we lift it all up to you. And yet, Father, our father Abraham boldly could come before you and get specific, so specific that he could, he could approach you knowing that you were the God of the universe. He fully understood who you were. And yet he could say, would you save this city if even 50 were righteous? How could he have thought even getting down to 10 that there could be that few in a city that size? And yet there weren't but he still interceded. God, we see both sides, that you are holy and that you are, because you're holy, you are just. And because you're just, you are holy. And so Father, we cry out to you now. We are, we are world drenched in sin, but we cry out to you, Father, for the sake of the righteous. Lord, the, the antichrist, the devil, he has his timetable and he always wants to speed it up. But Father, you have your timetable and you are sovereign. 
So Lord, we appeal to the righteous judge. We appeal to the heavenly judge in the heavenly courts. There is no one like you. We fully trust you. We fully love you, oh Lord. And I ask, Lord, that you would open every gate, open every door. Father, you are so much bigger than the wicked. Psalms 2, I believe, was written for this day. It was written that the nations come together and are in an uproar. And you coolly, calmly sit on your throne and you laugh because you know what your plans are for the wicked. But Lord, it is your desire that all men be saved. So Father, I pray in this day and time, an absolute outpouring of your Holy Spirit on the earth, an outpouring of your spirit, just as we observed Pentecost, Lord, an outpouring upon the earth that that the global harvest would come in, Lord, that your spirit would go to and fro, bringing people to you and keeping us free father because where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty so we pray the spirit of the lord all over this earth particularly in geneva lord we don't fear those people that are there we don't fear the delegates we don't we don't fear those couple of elites behind the scenes we fear a holy god a holy god that has us who holds us in the palm of his hand whose kindness leads us to repentance So, Father, we boldly come before you now, knowing that our sins are covered and made whiter than snow by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that your blood is literally covering our sins, that your body was broken for us, that your blood was poured out for us, that we might live and live more abundantly and with you forever. So, Lord, we exalt you. We worship you. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, that you hear us even as we cry out, Lord, that you would that you would sweep the plans of the wicked off the table, that they would come to nothing. Like our beloved sister Pam Pryor says, the UN never gets anything right. Oh, Lord, let it be this time that they don't get this right, that they don't succeed in putting us under their thumb and under their control. So Lord, we lift this up to you now. We ask you, we ask for your inter, interposition of the wicked and their plans and you and your sovereignty and your righteousness. And we come to you and ask you that you would interpose and that you would deliver your people from this horror of global government. And we thank you, Lord, that we could have the freedom to come on this unparalleled platform like the World Prayer Network and reach out to you just like Father Abraham did because you're no respecter of persons. We can beseech our Father just as Abraham did. And we beseech you by faith in that same spirit that you would cast down the plans of the wicked and hear us, Father, for your name's sake and for the sake of the global harvest. We thank you now in Jesus' name and bless you and honor and glorify you and ask that your Shekinah glory would be exposed to all the earth in these days. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.